Okay, and we are live. Welcome to the 22nd episode of our series, How to Become Fluent in English. So if you need to learn English for school, for work, for travel purposes, or even just for fun, you're definitely in the right place. Today, we're going to be discussing the easiest ways to become fluent in the English language. And we're joined with a special guest today. So if you're watching this on YouTube and you'd like to support the platform, you can simply do so just by liking the video as it'll help the YouTube algorithm spread the message to other people who are also trying to improve their English skills. Now, without further ado, Hadar, introduce yourself. Hi. So first of all, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm very excited to be here. And uh, yeah, my name is Hadar. I'm an English fluency and pronunciation coach. And um, I myself am not, not a native speaker of English. So I wasn't born in an English-speaking country. I actually moved to the U.S. when I was 21 for a few years to study acting. And um, there I have learned many things related to pronunciation because I was working on my um, acting skills. And this is a big part of it. And I fell in love with the sounds of English. But not only that, like that really helped me become more fluent because I understood that the aspect of the spoken English, once I realized how to do it in an efficient and clear way, it really uh, built up my confidence and I felt more expressive and I started using my voice more. Um, and what I'm doing now is I'm sharing everything that I've learned along the way, which is not just pronunciation work, but a lot of it has to do with strategy, fluency strategies, which we're going to share here today, and also uh, mindset work, which I feel is a big part of this journey. I mean, any journey, but definitely the language learning journey, uh, because there are a lot of obstacles that we create for ourselves and we can dismantle, but simply by changing how we think and approach speaking in a second language. Um, that's it. So I'm happy to share what I know with you and your audience here today. Yes, and welcome. And that's great. I, I like what you said about mindset as um, with learning a language, it's definitely not an easy thing to do. So um, attitude yeah. is absolutely essential if you want to make it and if you want to progress um, over a long span of time. Yeah. And what other languages are you fluent in as well? Oh, well, my first language is Hebrew, and I'm currently doing my best to learn Arabic. Um, and um, that's it. So I'm, I'm, I'm practicing what I teach. Okay, that's solid. Yeah. Yeah, I try to do the same. I, I'm thinking about learning Spanish, but um, we'll see. Because yeah, I want to apply a lot of these skills that people like yourself even um, give to me. I'm kind of a student too, <laughs> when I do these mm -hmm. live streams. So uh, right. yeah, it's interesting. We got some chats here. Alan Burgess, Avery, Alan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Kevin, good morning from Lakeland, Florida. Good morning. Gladys, good morning. Venezuela. That hello, shout out from Parak, Jupiter. Okay, I'm not sure where that is, but <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, hello, masters. Hello. Hello. Yeah. So, guys, uh, jump into the chat if you guys have any questions. Periodically, we'll stop and we'll answer them to the best of our abilities. So, um, if you have any questions pertaining to learning the English language, um, yeah, just leave it in the chat and we will get to it eventually. Okay, so Hadar, in terms of the easiest ways to become fluent in English, what would you say would be the most efficient method for a beginner 
to begin learning the English language just right off the bat? Which, how should they start? How should they begin? Well, honestly, I think that they should um, create the best circumstances for them to succeed. And actually, what I'm going to talk about is not even the language itself, but first of all, building learning habits so that they have the capacity to do work around English every single day, even if it's just 10 minutes a day, or not just English, a second language. Because this work requires consistency and commitment and repetition. And if they don't understand, and usually what happens is that people learn in uh, pulses, right? That they get really, really excited. They consume a lot of content and then they stop doing it and then they come back and then there isn't real consistent progress. So what I would recommend is first of all, to understand that this needs to become your lifestyle. You're an English learner or you're a language learner, which means that just like going to the gym or changing your diet, you need to create consistency. And for that, you need to understand what is holding you back. For example, if you keep getting distracted by your phone, make sure that when you do your learning, your phone is away. When you are, you know, you're doing it at a time when you don't have a lot of distractions, when you are have clear thinking. So I guess that that would be the first thing. And the second thing would be know what you're focusing on. So not just to depend on what you're finding on YouTube in like, you know, an app, but really know what is your focus. And we'll talk about different things. Is it listening? Is it writing? Is it speaking? Is it grammar? Is it pronunciation? And make sure that you are, you have a clear strategy as to what you're working on, when you're working on it, and what exactly you need to focus on in each area. Okay, very good. And um, in terms of the order, of learning skills in the English language. I've mm. heard some people in past interviews say, you know, you need to be able to listen before you can speak. You need to be able to read before you can actually write. Mm. Um, would you put a particular order for um, the skills that someone needs to learn? Or would you say you can do all of them at the same time? I, I can tell you that I don't believe that you need to learn how to read and write. I actually think that that system is what gets in our way for the most part, that's the easiest way to teach a language. I see it with my girls now. My girls, they don't want to, I have two girls. They don't want to learn English with me, unfortunately. And I chose to speak our, my first language with them at home. Um, so they study in school, first reading and writing, and English is not a phonetic language. So it really, like the, the learning curve is very steep because of that, because you don't immerse yourself in the spoken language, but in the written language. And then you have to cross this barrier of understanding how the language actually sounds um, so that you have confidence to use it. Um, and then it, I, I think that it delays your progress ultimately when it comes to fluency, when it comes to speaking. If your focus is just to be able to read and write, then yes, that's fine. So it really depends on what your goal is. But for fluency, which is speaking fluency, I would say that the moment you can understand some English, you don't have to develop it. Like it all works together. To me, I feel like fluency has six pillars and all of them have to be equally strong. So that means that you don't need to develop your listening until you can give yourself a score of a 10 without developing the other skills. So I would say, yeah, listening is important, but don't wait until you understand everything to speak. So that is, I, I think that would be my, my main point here that um, 
speaking is the most important thing, even if the grammar is not perfect, even if you don't have all the words available to you. So you can practice that skill, that muscle. Definitely. And yeah, you guys, you have to start somewhere. So definitely uh, begin to train your mouth to speak like an English speaker, try to shadow um, native English speakers as well. Um, and how important do you think grammar is when it comes to speaking, when it comes to someone understanding, you know, the grammatical rules of the language? Um, I've had many different opinions about this in the past for people I've interviewed. Um, how important would you say it is? So I think that when it comes to grammar, there are the essentials, right? Like the, the, the grammar that you really have to know to be able to be clear, because if you don't know that, then people are not going to understand you. And ultimately, you want to get your point across and get what you want. And if your grammar is getting in your way, then it's a problem. And then you have to work on those elements. So I would call it like the frequent tenses, you know, the present simple and the past simple and the past progressive and all of those. But then there is another level where it comes to, okay, the difference between present perfect and past perfect or future perfect. Or, you know, things that if you make a mistake, people would still understand that you're talking about the past, that your message is still going to be clear. So I wouldn't expect people to perfect those tenses or those aspects as long as you're clear. So even with grammar, I think that the, I, I follow the 80-20 rule. What is your 20% at the stage that you're in? If you're just a beginner, then there are the frequent tenses. And I think it's important because you can make grammar mistakes. It's not the problem. But the problem is that you won't know how to structure what you want to say. And then you don't have the tools to communicate confidently. So when you have those, um, the, the basic tools and grammar is one of them, then you'll be able to develop from there. But I'm not a fan of perfection. I don't think grammar needs, but you have to understand the concepts. You have to understand when your native grammar clashes with English you have to understand why that is, right? And then know how to, uh, how to avoid certain challenges. For example, if you're in your language, there are no articles, then you are likely to make mistakes with articles in English. So you need to dive deep into that and to understand how that is getting in your way. So there are the essentials and the less essentials, and it changes based on the person and the level, I think. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um, I'd agree with basically everything you just said, I would say that it's really important to know the fundamentals. It's really important to have a good baseline and know the basics and know them really well. When it comes to all of the other advanced grammatical rules of the English language, even native English speakers um, don't even understand that. So um, <laughs> that kind of goes to show that you don't really need it in, able, in order to be able to um, speak English fluently. So Yeah. And sure. I think people get caught up in getting it perfect mm -hmm. where, you know, sometimes 80%, you know, is, is yeah. good enough for you to be able to commun communicate. And like you said, sometimes what you learn in school in academic writing, for example, is very different than how English is spoken, which, which is really what you said. Mm -hmm. Exactly. There's lots of people who speak English as a second language who actually have superior grammar skills to <laughs> native mm -hmm. English speakers simply because you've studied the language uh, right. in way more detail. So yeah, that's one thing. So, okay, we're at the 10 minute mark. We'll address some of the questions we have here and then we will jump into the next topic. There's a lot of questions here. So sorry if I don't get to all of them. Um, if you want your question to be prioritized, I think YouTube has a feature where you can super chat a question. 
but I will just get to the ones that I think are relevant to the topic um, for this stream because there's a lot. There's a lot of you guys. Hmm. Okay. Renata, welcome back, Renata. Who's our guest today? Um, if you go back to the beginning, um, Hadar introduced herself. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Hadar. I'm Hadar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Let's see here. I teach English in my country. I learned English when I was a child and I had to move back to my home country in 1984. And ever since, I've been practicing all by myself. Well, that's good. It sounds really good for um, self-learning. So <laughs> shout yeah. out to you. Okay. But but I also want to say that nowadays the internet offers, you know, we talked about it on Instagram mm -hmm. just a few minutes ago mm -hmm. that really the the nowadays there are so many opportunities to speak for free. Um mm -hmm. so you really don't have to do it on your own but congratulations and kudos on doing it. That's remarkable, I think. You know. For sure. And I don't know how to write even though I'm not good things that can't do everything just show some good efforts if i understand correctly um even though you don't know how to write um, you can still be effective in other skills of the english language um with effort that's that's true if that's if i understand that correctly jay Carido, i love you uh, we love <laughs> you too <laughs> um let's see here Renata, I practice all by myself as well. Um, yeah, that's really good, Renata, because I remember you from the previous streams and your English sounds are pretty proficient. So good for you for practicing all by yourself. And like you said, yeah, we have so much different sources and resources available to you um, through the internet. So definitely take advantage of that for sure. And then in English, we don't use a lot of the perfect tenses or in Spanish, we don't in use Spanish. a lot of the perfect tenses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, interesting. Maybe I'll find that out. What preparation do I need to do before taking up IELTS or CELPIP? Okay. Um, I'm familiar with IELTS. Are you familiar with CELPIP, the other one? No. Okay, I'm not familiar with the other test. But I was going to say for IELTS, um, I even just out of curiosity, I went onto YouTube and just watched some IELTS exams because they actually have them on YouTube. And um, I think the biggest difficulty, Hadar, is people have a difficult time expressing themselves about subjects that they're not familiar with. Mm. So when they're in the exam, they'll bring up an unfamiliar subject and they still have to figure out a way to express themselves. Uh, how would you advise someone to prepare for an exam like the IELTS exam? Yeah. And you do it under, anyway, it's hard. And then you do it under the pressure of a test. And, you know, when you're timed and, and evaluated, that's so hard. You guys are amazing for doing this, really. Um, <laughs> I think that you need to develop the skill that you you innately have when when you speak in your own language of thinking and speaking at the same time. So if you don't have a lot of time, you have to build an argument and to be able to still speak while building the argument in your head and then being able to de deliver it all the way until the end. So the way I, tr and, and it's a skill. And to be able to do that, you have to have the experience of doing that many, many times. So what I do with my students, and it's not related to tests, but it's definitely helpful, is to give them a list of, let's say, 100 questions. And these are questions that are not the typical questions. They're not 
what do you do? Or what's your favorite hobby? But deeper questions or questions about the world or about politics or about sports. And then every day, they take the time they take and they need to answer it within up to three minutes because also it's actually, it, it's counterintuitive, but to keep it short is harder than to speak for, you know, as much time, as, like as long as you want, because you need to be concise. You need to make a point under three minutes. And then when you practice doing it every single day, you develop the skill of organizing things in your head, having an op a clear opinion, right? That we talked about critical thinking before. And then speaking while thinking. That is a skill and you need to practice that. And a good way to do it is to practice answering a different question every single day. And you can find it online easily. You can ask ChatGPT, which I like to use as, you know, a content producer uh, to ask, give me a, a 200 controversial questions. And then you'll get a list of 200 controversial questions and answer one every single day for the next 200 days, right? I'm exaggerating. You don't need to do that. But, uh, but I think this is something that has been very useful for my students. They've been doing it for 30 days and the impact is pretty significant. And it builds your confidence, which is a big component here, right? Like, oh, I, I can do this. I can speak about something for three minutes and get my point across. So I think um, this is what I would recommend. Yeah, no, that's you like took the words out of my mouth. Basically, that's basically what I say on every stream. It's like uh, you need to practice expressing yourself. And once you've expressed your thoughts and expressed your opinions about a certain subject, like 10 times, 100 times, 1000 times, 10,000 times, then when you come into a spontaneous situation or a test, it's going to be completely natural. It's going to come just like yeah. second nature, basically, because you've done it so many times. So you could forget how to do it, even if you wanted to. Yeah. So, um, and then in terms and it's important. of, yeah, sorry. Or, yeah. I was just going to say in terms of when you do it, um, you can do it. The first thing you, you can do it first thing in the morning when you wake up, you can do it um, as the last thing you do before you go to bed. You can do it when you're in the shower, even just train your mouth to actually say these things and just ask yourself a thought provoking question or an open-ended question. And if you can't think of it yourself, use chat GBT or Google. It's, it's as simple as that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And if you have a community to share it with, to feel even more validated, right? Not to give you feedback, but really to share so that you develop the sense of, ah, actually people want to hear what I have to say in English. That even adds up to everything that you just said about being able to express yourself um, confidently. Yep. There you go. Renata, what a beautiful name, Hadar. <laughs> okay, you have a you have a fan, Hadar. Thank you. <laughs> it means it's in Hebrew, and it means um, either splendor or glory or citrus fruit. And I always say it really depends on the day. Uh, <laughs> okay, I learned something new today. <laughs> See. <laughs> and, um, okay, so now when it comes to the easiest ways to improve one's speaking skills. Out of all of the different ways and all of the different approaches you can take to improve your speaking skills, what would you say would be the easiest? What would you advise most people to do? Mm. Okay. So I want to say speak with other people, but I don't think it's the easiest because it, it requires, um, you know, you have to be strategic about it. You have to find people. You have to coordinate time. You you have to get over a lot of um, resist, like 
you have to go get over your resistance to doing it. So ultimately, I think that is the most effective method. And when you do it, you want to be intentional about what you're trying to improve. Because it's a hard question, really. Like, what's the easiest way to improve? Because it's it is a, a complex um ex- like thing that you have to go through and it really depends on your level of confidence it depends on how willing you are to put yourself out of like to get yourself out of your comfort zone so i want to say speaking with others but also being intentional about what you're trying to improve so every time you speak with other with, with someone else be like okay today i want to make sure that i get my past tenses right you know, so like I want to be focused on the conversation, but really become aware of of how I use my tenses uh, when I talk about the past. Um, but that is, this is the ideal uh, way, but I don't think it's the easiest way, but I had to say it because I believe in it. But the easiest way would be, like we said before, to consume the language to turn passive into active, so shadowing or reading out loud, and then producing the language, which is having a speaking session every single day, for, even if it's for a few minutes. And this is something that you can do on your on your own without even speaking to other people. If you do that every day for a certain period of time, and again, consistently, when you have that strong habit of doing the work every single day, I think you would be surprised by the, the, the compound effect of this. Yeah, no, I'd agree. Um, it, it's really hard in the beginning. I know for most of you guys, because in the beginning, you'll try speaking the language, you'll try jumping right into it, you'll be all motivated, especially in the early stages, but you're probably not going to see a ton of progress in like a few days, a week, a month. You might feel like you're stuck. Even after three months, you might feel like you're stuck and you haven't seen a ton of progress. Um, You still can't spontaneously converse with English speakers. So I would say that um, you definitely need to trust the process. And then if you want to accelerate the process of doing this, it's really just going to come down to getting more repetitions. It's kind of like learning how to shoot a ball in a sport for the first time or learn how to play an instrument for the first time. Um, If you've ever done that before in your life, um, you can kind of draw that parallel. It's quite similar to that. So um, yeah, definitely it does come down to practicing your speaking skills every single day. And then I would say um, the other skills as well, such as basic grammar, just knowing the basic rules of the English language um, can definitely help form those sentences and get you speaking. Um, And I'd always say if it's possible, if it exists in your native language, you should always try to find a grammar book in your native language that outlines the differences between your native language and the English language. Um, Because if you can have a profound understanding for the differences between those two things, it'll put all the pieces of the puzzle together in your head and then it'll make speaking and it'll make everything make sense to you essentially. So um, that is such a good piece of advice. And I think that um, this is something that you don't usually learn in conventional English studies. What Avery just said, because you're focused, like people teach you the grammar of English. But I think that when you 
operate from this understanding of the differences between those, the grammar of your native language and English, this is where it gets really easy because you know how to anticipate your challenges. And I do the same when I teach pronunciation. I don't teach the sound of, of English. I teach the sound, but I also tell them, here is what you are likely to hear. Here is what you are likely to pronounce. And here is the gap. And this is how you can minimize the gap or go from here to there. And also tell them this is the, the hierarchy. This is critical because then they won't understand you. Or this is mild. It's just nuances. Don't focus on it right now. So I think if that, like understanding this, the, the, the differences, the clashes would create a lot of, um, it's going to make your learning experience a lot more efficient. Definitely. It'll make your life easier. And yeah. um, if you really, really don't like grammar books or workbooks, like you just fall asleep to them. There's also a lot of programs out there basically where you can take video courses that will also explain these rules to you as well. Um, there are lots of good teachers in most of the languages that I can think of who have and offer these services. So um, it probably wouldn't be too hard to find. Uh, just scrolling through social media even. And I even took a peek at your um, your program, Hadar. Like for an example, you would explain the difference between like loose and lose or something like that, words such as that. And it's um, small nuances like that. Um, it can really connect the dots for a lot of people, especially yeah. if their native languages are not um, accustomed to pronouncing or making those sounds. So Right, exactly. Yeah. And then when it comes to listening, what would you say is the most efficient way or the easiest way that someone mm -hmm. could improve their listening comprehension skills? Because everybody listening, they probably are asking themselves or telling themselves, I want to be able to understand native speakers. I want to be able to understand fast spoken English. Mm -hmm. What's the easiest way that they can improve their listening skills? Well, like with everything, if you want to get better at listening, you got to do more of the listening. So first of all, expose yourself to as many different types of speakers as possible, different accents, because ultimately, you know, people speak in different ways. And it's important that you your brain starts understanding those. Maybe not when you're first starting out, but this is something that I think is important. Um, and I have like an exercise that I really like. Uh, I, I offer my students is to practice listening by listening and then transcribing what they hear. And then to see after that, to go back and look at the original transcript and see where there is a difference between what they had understood and what was actually said. And that these are the places, again, the gaps, right? These are the places, whether it's fast English, reductions, that you can pay closer attention or change how you're listening because you're trying to understand every single word. I think this is um, this is something that you can do to actively develop your listening skills. Yeah, definitely. I'd agree. I'd say it's also, um, in terms of small things that you could do every day, it's really efficient. Um, like we even spoke about on the Instagram live, uh, just consuming English media with English subtitles. That way you're improving your listening and reading oh, yeah. skills simultaneously. Um, and you can actually see how the words are applied in certain situations and people having fast conversations. But this gets to a topic that I get into lots of debates about with the people who I interview. So it comes down to which do you think is more beneficial for somebody's listening skills? Would you say it's TV shows and movies with 
dramatic sequences or would you mm. say it's podcasts and interviews with realistic conversations like the one that we're having right now mm. um, I, mm -hmm. the spectrum which side of the spectrum would you be leaning towards basically okay i'm conflicted myself because i think generally speaking um, I would say podcasts and interviews because that's that's English. That's how you hear it in real life. And it actually needs to be the place where you're um, – because that's when it gets hard, not when it's uh, – when you understand the context and then um, – uh, and then it's very clear what they're saying or it's slower than how it usually is. However, I also believe that you need to be engaged and even emotionally engaged to be able to learn well. So I do think that there is added value in watching TV shows and sitcoms because you're emotionally engaged and you're more likely to be to have the attention and to really listen and to 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 want to listen rather than, oh, I'm listening to a podcast and I'm, like I'm losing track. So if you I, I do feel podcasts and interviews are a great method and this is how English really is, but make sure that you are passionate about what you're listening to so that there is actually a reason for you to do this. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I would agree what do you with that. Think? Um, well, I would definitely recommend realistic conversations. And that's just through my experience of learning another language, learning the French language. Uh, I tried consuming a lot of uh, media on Netflix and stuff like that. A lot of French original shows or shows that are dubbed in French, but the way that they spoke in those forms of media was not very realistic. It didn't translate or it didn't apply to situations I would find myself in in real life, essentially. Man. And then when I listen to podcasts, those are real people in my city, even who um, would speak that way as if they were speaking to somebody on the street. And then that was a million times more applicable to, um, realistic conversations, I would say. So yeah. I would advise people to do realistic conversations, even YouTube videos, um, just consuming social media in general. Um, you'll find more realistic stuff that you can apply in the modern day. But then yeah. um, for TV shows and movies, I'm not sure if you've heard of Mike the Chameleon. He's another English teacher on um, social media. He's really big mm -hmm. on TikTok. And he always, he would advise people to do TV shows and movies because it's more captivating. Mm. It catches people's attention a lot more, essentially. So I'd say there's pros and cons to both. I agree. However, in my opinion, I would lean towards realistic conversations. Yeah, I guess it's really what your main, your your goal is, you know, which is for everyone mm. is to understand everything, right? So it's yeah. kind of funny to say that. But I, I, I like using TV shows for creating vocal freedom for my students because we practice intonation and shadowing. And sometimes people are very limited with their voice and they like they feel very monotone. So I think that using these shows gives them permission to use their voice in a way that would later serve them when they're having conversations. So that's how I would use TV shows and movies, which is something, but you can find that in podcasts as well. Podcasts are not dull. Like the intonation is not dull on the contrary, but like you can be very clear on the tone of voice and things like that, that could, could elicit something new for students, uh, that permission aspect. Um, so yeah. yeah, I agree. And podcasts, that's a big range of, uh, 
different podcasts. I mean, there's some podcasts that literally do they're English learning podcasts, but it's really robotic. It's like Apple, Apple. Ugh, I cannot. And then yeah. it just it just rotates words and stuff like that. And then there's podcasts like um, if you listen to a podcast about sports, it might be more heated or a podcast about relationships. Those are always controversial. So yeah. it's like um, you'll probably it, it really depends on the topic that you're listening to for sure. Yeah. And I, I think I, I think uh, English podcasts or uh, teachers or channels where like they strip away the personality from the English, how it's actually spoken and they turn it into just words in a sequence. I think it, it does harm because that's not how English is heard. And people expect to hear that when they speak to other people. And I don't think that's right. And also, I think it needs to be engaging so that people become passionate about being engaging when they speak English. Definitely. That's that's necessary. So the chats are piling up. So I'm going right. to address some of these questions here. Let's see. Thank you both for advice. You're both, you both are <laughs> handsome and beautiful. Thank you. Hadar's handsome. I'm beautiful. Okay. <laughs> um, memorizing phrases. Does it work? Memorizing phrases. I would recommend that when you're learning a new language, you should try to commit like top 1,000 to 2,000 words to memory, I would say. I'd make a flashcard deck and I would try to memorize probably the 2000 most common words in that language. And then, like you mentioned before, now we have AI technology like chat GPT, and it's very easy to identify uh, what the most common words are to any subject, really, mm -hmm. that you could see in your lifestyle. Yeah. Would you agree? Um, yes. And I would also say that as an actress, when I studied acting, I used to memorize scripts, not just words or phrases. And that has been very, very helpful for me to learn like more complex grammar, grammatical structures and words, because I would do it for my studies, but it ended up really helping me with my English and my fluency. There you go. Abba. Jackson, I study enough, but when I have to talk in real life, I forget the key words. What do I have to do? Um, when you talk in real life, you forget keywords. Um, what I did that, cause that happened to me a lot. I can relate to that. Um, I would just, you have to use your creativity and think of other ways to say the same thing. That's typically what I would do. So like if, um, for an example, if there's a wet cloth or something, but you didn't know how to say wet cloth in English, you could say, you know, the, um, and then you can describe it. You can just use any adjectives that you have in your vocabulary to describe the item, basically. If you don't know what a water bottle is called, you could say this, you know, this device for drinking. I don't know. Use your creativity. Think of different ways to um, say the same thing. If you're at that intermediate stage where you kind of forget words, that's what I recommend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would, I would add to that, that like, make sure that you don't feel bad about it happening or it, it doesn't validate some beliefs that you have about yourself that you are unable to learn or that you're not good enough. It's a natural part of any language learning journey. And it the fact that it happens, it just shows you what you need to, where you need to improve. And also it's just really a result of you not speaking enough with other people. You study and that's great, but ultimately you have to 
like to produce the language as much as possible. And the more you do it, the less likely you are to get stuck. Yep. You have to put everything together. Like if you read it a lot, but you never speak it or you don't listen to it that frequently, then stuff like this can definitely happen. So yeah, definitely pay attention to all of the skills for sure. Let's see here. I try to record myself and listen to it back. Okay. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty good method. We, uh, Hadar just touched on that earlier. Gladys. Yeah. Then um, let's see here. I love Hadar's reel of the word comfortable. I haven't seen it, but <laughs> I'll check I it break out. down like words that could be complicated, complicated, complicated. Mm, I see. <laughs> Maybe I should do a reel about the word complicated. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, wonderful Hadar. That I do too. I think she was talking about something you were saying earlier. In yeah. The stream. Okay. Royal World, welcome to the stream. Hi there, greetings from Ecuador. It's great to be in a live streaming. It's actually live stream to be in a live stream. But yes, shout out to you. Okay, and it's true. The best way to memorize and put into practice the learned vocab. Yep, you definitely have to apply your learned vocabulary. You need to identify your weaknesses in order to improve and increase your language. Uh, definitely. Um, and identifying your weaknesses, that's through trial and error. So you really have to get out and actually exercise your English skills for sure. Um, I tried some apps. It's hard to find an English speaking partner. An easy app for you. I used it. It's called HelloTalk. Very, very easy to find native English speakers to practice with. It's a language exchange app. You can use it as a training ground to practice your English skills. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have any recommendations, Padar? Yeah, I think that like you can definitely practice your English with other learners who are where you are and would like to improve. I think there is sometimes this uh, resistance towards resistance towards practicing with um, non-native speakers, but I think it's so valuable because you sometimes you feel less judged. You there you both have the same intention, so there is value in the conversation for both of you. And also, I think that people are afraid of catching mistakes from people who don't speak correctly but you're when you're communicating with someone your brain is not <laughs> catching all the english and the like you know and then you'll be immediately using their mistakes no you're focused on producing your own language and right like just making sense of the conversation so i think that um either language exchange apps that are great and there are many of them or any community of non-native speakers who want to practice speaking together. You mentioned your community on Discord, Avery, and, and I have the Influency community. So like there are great places for you to practice. Yeah, definitely. There's no shortage of places to uh, find English speaking partners. Um, and yeah, just like Kadar said, um, if you go to either of the links in our bio on any social media platform, we all have resources too. All the other creators you probably watch also have resources. Um, so there you go. There's um Lots of places where you can find a good English speaking partner. And yeah. if you really don't know, just shoot me or shoot Hadar DM. Uh, we could probably point you in the right direction. So Absolutely. Okay. Now, when it comes to reading and writing, let's start with reading here. So what's the easiest way for someone to improve their reading skills? Hmm. Let's say from the very beginning. 
Well, I guess, again, is to to create a certain habit of reading every single day. Um, and like I said, like I think it's really important to read out loud so that you connect the words. You know, it's more like it, it, it's a holistic experience of not just connect, reading the words, but also connecting it to the sounds that come out of your mouth and then finding out when you don't know how to pronounce something. So I think... I don't know at what, like, if we're talking about real beginners or people who already have a pretty solid understanding of the language. Um, but I would say to develop a habit of reading, even if it's for 10 minutes every single day, and there are a lot of apps or, you know, on Kindle where you can mark the words that you don't understand, um, I think that is something that is useful. But probably you have more more thoughts and ideas about this. Well, I just say it depends on what the person's native language is. Um, mm. Like for an example, if their native language is Mandarin Chinese or Japanese, oh. and they follow a whole different alphabet or even Hebrew, that's I guess. Yeah. Like that's um, then learning how to read, it might take you a little bit longer than someone who follows the same alphabet, I'd say. Yeah. Um, and then I'd say uh, the way that I did it, I, I personally would use a grammar book. Um, that's the way that I would go. Um, mm -hmm. Just to develop your reading skills on a basic level. I just say, like I even said before, um, if it exists in your native language, um, that would be great. You can understand the differences in the figure of speech. So you're not directly translating over back from your native language. I think that's the biggest takeaway from um, in terms of improving your reading skills. Mm. Uh, do not make the extremely, extremely common mistake of translating over from your native language into the English language. Try to avoid that at all costs. And I think mm. a grammar book is a good way to do it. It might be boring. You might not like it. If you don't like it, if you can't do a grammar book, you can't do a workbook, try to find a course online, a video course or something along the lines of that by somebody who shares your native language and has successfully yeah. become fluent in the English language. Yeah, That's good advice. And then writing, finally. So... When it comes to writing, I want to say that we would apply the same principles as learning how to speak, but what would you say would be the easiest way that somebody can begin writing? And it's the modern day too. They're going to be typing. They're going to be texting. They're going to be exactly. on their phones. So um, yeah. they have spell check, which is nice. So how would you have? So I have, it's, it's funny. Like I have, I train teams and companies. Uh, global companies. And a lot of times they're like, yeah, we need to work on fluency and on writing and on this and on that. I'm like, listen, let's focus on speaking and fluency and pronunciation if needed, because writing, first of all, if their fluency and speaking abilities are better, then their writing is going to be better. And there are so many tools to help them sound better. So you just need to understand how to write in a polite way. So this is something that I would teach. You need to learn the styles you need to, especially if you're more advanced. Um, so back to what you said, I think, again, like with everything, if you want to improve your writing, then um, start a journal where you and it's really good for developing your thinking in English as well, so that you just write your thoughts out every single day, again, for a few minutes, not too much. And even if it's not perfect, you just develop that. Now, with AI, with artificial intelligence, what you can do is you can copy paste it if you write it directly to like on a Google Doc. And let's say you use a WordTune, which is a great tool to that offers you different 
options or better ways to phrase a sentence. Or you take it to ChatGPT and ask for feedback. Can you give me feedback on the on this text, grammar feedback or corrections or rephrase it? But then it's not enough. You have to look at the differences, right? Like and see why was it corrected this way and learn from that. Was it the tense? Was it the syntax? Was it the language that you used? And I think that now you have so many free tools to give you feedback on your writing that it would be a shame not to use all of that to develop your writing. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree. Um, I would also say it depends on the level you're trying to get to as well. It yeah. depends on people's goals too, because if you just want to learn English for fun and you just want to be able to travel and kind of get by in terms of communication, I would say that uh, you don't really need to get your writing to this crazy advanced level of English. I would 100%, say if, yeah. But then if your job calls for it, if you're trying to pursue higher education, then definitely I would agree. Um, you should definitely take Hadar's advice and follow those particular methods. And in addition, um, to improve your critical thinking skills too, just for essays in general, um, you should definitely practice, just like you would practice expressing your thoughts and opinions in a spoken manner. I would definitely recommend that you practice expressing your thoughts in a type format as well, too, which should be a little bit easier because you can kind of collect your thoughts. Um, you will have a spell check. You will have chat GPT. You will have all these different resources to um, basically figure out where your sentence is going wrong so you can actually correct yourself. You don't necessarily need a teacher all the time. Right. So um, that's, uh, yeah, I would definitely say um, reading and writing are probably more flexible and more easy to improve than uh, speaking and listening for those right. reasons. But right, right, right. Then some questions here. I tried Hello Talk, but both of us stuck up. Yeah, I hear some complaints about the app Hello Talk, uh, mostly from the female side. Though they say a lot of people treat it like a dating app, uh, <laughs> and they're just trying to learn a language. That's mm -hmm. unfortunate. I've I can't really relate, but that's, yeah, that sucks. Um, if that's the case, then yeah, I would try to join a more tight knit community such as Hadar's or my own. So that's um, what I'd recommend if you think that HelloTalk is too saturated with um, people who aren't serious enough about learning a language. So um, you guys give great pieces of advice. Thanks so much. No problem, Renata. I normally use Google Translate. It's a great tool to practice my reading and speaking skills. Um, yet you can use Google Translate. I, I have found that it sometimes it fails to capture the context, though. Um, the best translator that I've ever used is DeepL, D-E-E-P-L, Deepo.com. Mm -hmm. Um, that's, I'd say that's a really good translator. And like you mentioned, Hadar, it gives you a lot of different, um, alternatives to say. Oh, good. I haven't so, heard of it. I'll check it. Yeah. It's, it's just like a, yeah, a better version of Google translate, I would say. Yeah. Okay. Gladys, I like to use grammar, the Grammarly application. Any suggestions on any other app? I've actually, are you familiar with Grammarly? I've never Me? used Grammarly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. It's nice, but it doesn't always take into consideration the context. And this is why if you use Grammarly, you would love WordTune, which is a bit more sophisticated in the feedback that you get. 
Okay, there you go, Gladys. Just like Hadar mentioned, it's very important to say the words, to repeat them and make sentences with them. Yes, exactly. That repetition goes a long way. It might not feel like it at first, but believe me, that repetition goes yeah. a really, really long way as you're learning yeah. English. So, okay. And to wrap up, the final question that I ask to everybody who I interview is, okay, so somebody comes up to you. They only speak Hebrew, okay? Not a word of English. And they ask you, Hadar, I want to become fluent in English. What do I need to do? And how long... Is it going to take me? How would you advise that person? That's such a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I would say that and taking into consideration that they still stay in a Hebrew-speaking environment, I would say that, first of all, they need to expose themselves to English and practice um, shadowing. So start getting comfortable with the sounds and what they hear, even if they don't, and then work with context. So if they don't know anything, I would um, I would recommend maybe like looking at the translation to understand what they're reading. I really don't have a lot of experience with real beginners. So this is why it's hard for me. But I would say, like I said at the beginning, I think it takes about six to eight months to be able to get to a level where you can use the the language for basic conversations. So like the, there is, it doesn't take too long, right? Six months is not a lot when it comes to language learning. Um, it doesn't take too long, it, uh, even though it might feel like a lot, six, even to a year, until you get to a place where you can be comfortable using the language. And then when you want to advance, that this is where it gets a little slower and slower and slower. But I think that within between six months to a year, you're able to be in a, like to have basic conversations and get by and consume content confidently. However, like I think that the, the thing is that they need to be able to, um, to practice consistently every single day to make it a habit and to surround themselves with the best resources. Um, and like I said at the beginning, to have a strategy around what they need to improve. So it's definitely listening and then producing language, then learning the basic grammar, right? To be able, and then you like knowing, like you said, the first 2000 words that are used in the language. So once all of that happens, they will be able to have, like to get to that level when they can, get by in English. Okay, then let's say they follow all of that. Let's say they're seeing a little bit of progress after one month, two months, three months. They say, okay, um, I'm getting somewhere, but I still can't spontaneously converse. And then they ask you, like, how long will it take mm -hmm. me? Um, I, usually my short answer to that question is it depends how much time you put in. Yeah. That's usually what I would say, but um, it also depends on what your native language is because it's going to take some people a lot longer than others um, yeah. to learn the English language. And then also some people take longer to absorb information. There's some things floating around on the internet that would say become fluent in English in 15 days or become fluent in English in 30 days or something like that. So destructive. And it's 
it's not realistic for like 99.999% of people in the world. So yeah, um, but it does. And then what it does, it creates this, this um, illusion as if it's possible. And then if you don't do it, then you feel like there is a problem with you. And the thing is that for most people, it's a long, tedious journey that you need to learn how to love and to enjoy even the hard parts, even the parts where you feel like you're stuck in a plateau because it is a natural part of the process and to love your mistakes because this is the only way to learn because if you're making mistakes, that means that you're actually using the language and that perception like you need to get it perfect and you'll be punished for mistakes and that you will, you know, there is a method but you just don't know how to do it well. It's a messy process and you need to enjoy it and just commit to it. Like you said, and it's really, it really depends on, on so many things. Um, and also what your goal is, like, what is, how, how do you define fluency for some people is just to be able to ask for directions for others. It's to create content on YouTube in English. Yeah, that's, that's extremely true. There's a ton of nuance around it. Um, I would say that. Yeah, it also depends on your goal, but in terms of learning the English language, um, it, yeah, it's really important to have a really good mindset. You don't want to fall into the common error of believing the apex fallacy, and which is essentially like comparing yourself to others. It's kind of like on social media, you see all of the positive aspects of a certain thing on a certain page. Right but it doesn't show you <laughs> what it took <laughs> to get there. So um, try not to compare yourself to others um, because your situation is more than likely going to be unique and different from most other people. And then um, I would say, yes, it's extremely important to really make up your mind and wrap your head around the fact that you're going to commit to this. You're going to practice your English every day. You're not, it's not something you're going to turn on and off. You're actually going to make it a part of your lifestyle yeah. from this day moving forward to your last day. That's so, the best piece. Of, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it is a journey. It is a lifestyle. It is not a project that ends in three months. And yeah, that's, it's a really difficult decision for someone to make because <clears throat> for some people, especially people trying to learn it really quickly, um, that's a Jurassic, that's a dramatic change of lifestyle because you're going to be practicing maybe hours a day or something like that. So yeah, it's something you have to sleep on. It's something you really need to make the decision. You have to make that choice. It has to be for yourself. It can't be due to some other fickle influence. It has to be um, it has to be genuine, essentially. Yeah. Or else you're probably gonna get you're probably gonna quit before you can really progress, which unfortunately happens to a lot of people I've seen when they're when it comes to uh, yeah. learning languages. Yeah. Um, it's they'll try to learn a language out of vanity, essentially. Mm -hmm. they just want to be like the cool person in the room who knows like a hundred different languages, but yeah, it's, um, don't be that person. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Exactly. And, and we're going to wrap it up here. So Hadar, are is there any final piece of advice or any final takeaway you'd like to give to the audience? I just want to say that you got to remember why you're doing this and what is po what would be possible for you once English or the language that you're learning is no longer an obstacle. So keep that, you know, always as your North Star and know where you're going. And sometimes there are going to be ups and sometimes there are going to be downs and that is okay. Keep a growth mindset around your learning uh, potential 
that every, like you've already learned a language once, you're capable of learning it again. So make sure that you, like even when you come across an obstacle, you have what it takes to solve it. You are resourceful, you know, like go learn with the right teachers, use the right resources, speak to, to the right people, but stay in ownership of your progress. And if you feel like something is not right for you, then change it and find what does feel right. Remember your cause and stay consistent. And you got this. Oh, and where can they find you on social media? Well, they can find me on YouTube at Accents Way English with Hadar and on Facebook as well. And on Instagram, um, you can find me at Hadar.AccentsWay. Okay, there you go. And then for us, it's just Arc English on all platforms, really easy to find. Um, we put out new content every single day to make sure that you guys accelerate the or diminish the time that it takes you to become fluent in the English language. Love it. And uh, yeah, until next time, guys. Thanks for coming. Thank you.